Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bacon Wire. Um, well, MSU is 7-0. and We're number, what, 7 in the yeah, – we're number 7 in the rankings, 7 or 8 or however you want to look at it. We're, uh, we're 9 in the AP, 7 nine. in the coaches. Thank you. Yeah, 9, nine in the AP, 7 coaches. So an average of 8. Um, my math was correct. And um, to start off this pod – you know, we're, this is a bye week, but we've got a lot to discuss. A lot we were going to do movie wire, but that's just going to have to be shelved for a couple weeks. Um, and we wanted to give a shout out to, I would say, the true MSU devotee. Like I'm not kidding, he is devoted to Michigan State athletics. He is, you know, he's a Twitter presence, he's a Facebook presence, and he's he's a very kind human being. Like he's never. I've never seen a negative interaction with anybody. And um, I'm talking, of course, about Stephen Devietri. Um, he's on, you might have seen him on Twitter. He he's going through a really, really incredibly tough battle with um, I believe leukemia. And he's got pneumonia, and it's, it's like three days in the hospital. He ran a fever and everything, and he has been fighting this battle for a couple of years now. Um, one of our friends, Trevor Upchurch knows him personally, and, um, it's, it's been a tough couple of, couple of months for him. He, he doesn't, I mean, his Facebook posts and his tweets are just, it's, it's sad because he might not make it to, he wants to make it to the Michigan game, but he might not make it to next week. It's that bad. He's got no immune system. I mean, it's, he's battling for his life and, um, all of us on MSU Twitter just want to, I know he probably won't listen, but maybe someone who knows him will. And um, just tell him that we are, we are truly praying for his recovery and hopefully he can, he can make it to the Michigan game and, and see a big win and, you know, fight the battles from there. I don't yeah, know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, cancer survivors are some of the toughest motherfuckers I know. Yeah. Uh, it, because uh, it's a battle they didn't volunteer for. They didn't sign up for. Uh, they they didn't choose to fight this battle, um, and th- they do it anyway. And I'm I'm forever in awe of people who can who can bounce back from from cancer and and fight and not get a negative attitude or like turn to selling meth in the New Mexico desert or <laughs> anything like that. Um, so Steven, like my thoughts are with you. Keep chopping. Yep. You got this brother. We're behind you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, cancer is such a bitch, man. You know, I've, I've had people in my family who have dealt with it. Who I've lost from it. I know that, you know, it's, the fight, the process, everything that you have to go through, you know, in the hospital and everything is just, it's, it's something you wouldn't want anyone to deal with ever. And especially a guy like Steven, who really just is really one of the sweetest and kindest people out there, you know, Steven, I mean, we love you, man. Keep fighting, man. You're doing great. Yep. And uh, go green, man. We'll see you next Saturday. Yep. You're, we're going to, we're going to get your butt in that game. And if you can't get to it, we're going to make sure that you get the nicest setup to watch that damn thing. Um, 
So get well, Stephen. You're keep chopping, like Spartan Dog said. And um, I hope to bring. I hope we hear more positive news in the coming weeks. I really pray for it. And um, there's really no great transition. So um, you know, Michigan State is seven and zero. Like I said to start the pod, we, um, me and Spartan Dog and Matt were basically just like, oh, we're not worried about Indiana. We're not that worried. The numbers literally, you know, like Sean posted that that stat line, the numbers were overwhelmingly in favor of MSU. And I think I learned something uh, like the great Pat Narduzzi once said, stats are for losers. And um, boy, we almost lost that game, but we hung on to win 20 to 15. And, um, you know, we're still we're still chopping, still undefeated, still have a shot at, at a lot of big things, but I think I can say it for all of us that that game was alarming in some ways. And, um, oh, what the hell is that? Sorry. <laughs> I will, uh, I say we let Carter start it off. We're going to do compliment sandwich. This one's going to be a little lighter on the meat, but, um, or, you know, the buns, I guess, but, um, let's start off with some compliments. Let's do some positives before we really dig in the negative. So Carter, why don't you start with, with your first compliment for the team? All right. So my first positive was I got a couple um, different aspects of this. So my first, and I think the overwhelmingly positive from that game was Cal Halliday slash the defense slash Scotty Hazleton. Um, I think the defense showed up big time and that's largely in part due to Halliday. You know, he proves week in and week out to be the glue for this defensive unit. I mean, the pick six where he just, he just read Tuttle's eyes and then he jumped the route. That was an impressive football play. Like that was awesome IQ right there. Uh, he's, he's smart. He plays so calm, you know, he comes the rest of the defense down as well. Um, and I have to mention the fact that like, he doesn't wear gloves, sleeves, tape, anything. He's just an absolute psychopath energy. Doesn't wear any extra apparel. I love it. He was he he was one of those really impressive finds for D'Antonio towards the end of his recruiting tenure when there weren't a whole lot. Um, Hazelton, his defensive unit to me continues to grow and improve, and 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 I think that they continue to impress me every week. Uh, he was constantly dialing up pressure, like blitz after blitz, uh, and that was that was the smart thing to do against uh, a quarterback that doesn't really threaten you with his legs outside of the pocket. Um, the attention to personnel was really impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if Hazelton ended up with a, a head coaching job in the near future. Um, and then a couple of names that impressed me this week defensively, um, mostly the usual suspects, but one was a surprising name. You know, you see Henderson, Angelo Gross, uh, Kimbrough with the, the the strip sack. Ronald Williams, I think, continues to get better. His his defense is, is just improving a lot. Uh, Ponashoot, Jacob Slade, Colvers Crouch. Those are the, the the regular names that you hear all the time. But the surprising one was uh, Marquis Lowry Jr., the uh, Louisville transfer at corner. Um, he was hurt for the first couple of games, and then once he started to get healthy, um, he's earned more snaps, and I've been really impressed with him. He's one of those physical corners, and he was attacking the ball in the run game. You know, he's a pretty uh, aggressive corner in the passing game too, had a couple bad penalties. But I'll take it because I love the aggressive play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, Carter. Um, I agree with you. Uh, the, the, you know, as much as the defense has has kind of gotten my goad, um, for it, it's kind of bend don't break style at times. 
um, the defense was far and away the, the, the shining light of, of this past week. And, you know, before I start my compliment sandwich, fellas, uh, you know, I know we record this podcast a little later in the week than uh, some of the other some of the other MSU centric podcasts. Uh, but ultimately, I think that might be a good thing because uh, we all know what happens when we record shit like right after a game ends. <laughs> uh, like Zanjo. Uh, we we fell victim to it. Yeah, so but we, but we had the good one. We had the good, the Michigan one. Yeah, so you know, um, but I would just, you know, I think, I think a little time, a little space to kind of stew on these, to kind of stew on this analysis. I think, I think, kind of helps helps me a lot. Um, and and you know, my my fir- my first positive uh, goes goes to uh, Matt Coglin. Um, just absolutely lights out from from the place kicker, you know. Made field goals of uh, made made a made a fifty yard field goal, um, a few field goals to his weak hash. Um, you know, was just on was automatic when he needed to be, and you know, in in Matt Coglin's extended career, uh, that's not always something you can get from him. So when you get it, it's it's nice. It's nice to have. So, uh, shout out to shout out to Mr. Mullet, uh, Matt Coglin, Amy. Tell Matt we said good job. And uh, thank you, Patty, for um, not keeping him up late with uh, opening doors. So that's a compliment for her. Uh, my compliment, since you guys took the other two in sequential order in my notes that I actually printed for this pod. That's how professional I am now. Um, Tyler Hunt, I was impressed with him. And it makes me wonder, where's this been? Have we, you know, I, I think we've been, uh, like some like some fan bases say, we're very uh, um, deep play or we're very home run or nothing sometimes. But um, much, that, like the, much like the 2021 Yankees. Yeah. They either hit 50, they hit like 2,000 home runs, but strike out 10,000 times. Um, and like that, that play, I mean, that throw he made to, to Peyton Thorne was fucking insane. Let's be honest, it was a broken play. Like it, it was not supposed to work out that way. And Peyton made a catch that might have just sit, that might have won the game for MSU the more, the more I thought about it throughout the week. And, you know, and they rewarded him with that great play that he was just wide fucking open in the end zone. Easy touchdown. Like, that was the easiest touchdown I've seen in a couple weeks. And, um, well, not as easy as Ken Walker's run. But it makes me wonder. That's what I want to see from now on. I want to see more wrinkles. And I think if we can get Tyler Hunt some some plays – that's something that I don't think our opponents have seen in our film this year. We, re- I can't remember many times that we've gone to a tight end. I mean, besides Hayward, because I know he does line up at the tight end position. But, um, yeah, I just had to shout out Tyler Hunt. That was my only compliment I had that you guys took the rest of them. Um, but, uh, I mean, we could start with a negative. I'll just start. We'll do like a snake thing, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Um, My first negative is I think 
I am nervous about the O-line. I I like the depth. Depth is never bad unless you're like, you know, Ohio State, you play like three quarterbacks in a year. But um, I don't like the rotating nine, ten guys constantly through a game. And that reminds me of like what the coaches in my high school would do. And I think that is more something along the lines of a high school thing. Like, no, no, you're, you're right. You stole mine. It's fucking high school shit. I'm sorry, Lucas. I need to, I need to pop off a little bit. Did I just hand the ball? Or did I just Westbrook the ball to you? Yeah, I have, I have other negatives I can touch on, but I really want to go. I really want to go all in on this. Okay. Coach cap is a fantastic, is a fantastic mind with developing, developing the trenches right? The turnaround he had at Colorado in, in one season is magnificent. And there are parts of this offensive line that is really, really good. But the wholesale changes need to stop. This isn't Pop Warner where everyone gets to play. There is a clear, there is a clear drop-off in talent from, uh, from, from one position from one position in the rotation to the next. Okay. It go with your five best guys and play them 60 minutes. That is what they are meant to do. That is, that's the whole thing with the trenches. They play the entire game. They don't come out. They don't rotate. They don't take plays off. They're in there. That's the point of pride for linemen is that they're always in the fucking game. Stop rotating them this isn't a jv scrimmage this is big 10 conference play football fucking figure out who your five best guys are and just fucking stick with them enough with the wholesale changes all 10 guys aren't that fucking good i'm sorry they're not they're not that fucking good they're grown men okay if you can't tell them that they're not good enough and they should go to the portal then I don't know what you're doing as a division one football coach. I'm fucking sorry. I know coach your coach cap is track record is, is proven at this point, but God damn it. Stop the rotating. Some, some of the guys that we can't count on are six year players. Exactly. I'm muting muting. again. I'm just said, chime in. No, that's a great point. Lucas. Some of the, some of the, some of the, some of the offensive linemen who performed the worst have been here the longest. They were on the college football playoff team. Yeah. 60 years ago. That awful. Go with your five best guys and don't fucking apologize for it. This is big 10 football, not fucking pop Warner. And we need to establish a front five for what is coming ahead. It is a, it is an intimidating defensive line. It can be. Um, if you line up AJ Curry against Aiden Hutchinson, you should lose your fucking job. The, the, they should just let Hutchinson walk by him at that point. It Just give him a free tackle. Here you go. I, I, has Kevin Wigginton seen the field this year? It was, I, he's Not that I know of. I, don't They're redshirting so. him, which is probably the right decision. Okay. Yeah. But you have – that's not my point. You have – Kevin's my boy. I love Kevin. Friend of the He's pod. He's going to do great things. Friend of the pod. 
but you but my point is they have five guys who are a solid unit and they keep pulling them out wholesale for five guys who aren't as good yeah it it just doesn't develop um chem not chemistry but like consistency and no chemistry right. momentum it it kills all of that it and it's not good for what is unquestionably the toughest part of the schedule coming up it starts next weekend i'm nervous about the rotation and that that was one of my things i want to see not just against michigan but moving forward like we need to establish it and solidify it through this through these next through this next week and a half or else uh, or else it's not going to look good not just for Peyton Thorne but for Kenneth Walker and for the whole team it's not going to look good so go go ahead Carter you're up you're up bud i was i was going to i was going to do that it was i have two kind of big things as negatives because i think although they won i think we have a lot more negatives to touch on than we do positives, to be yeah. completely honest. Yeah, you're so right. the offensive line rotations, I think you guys have hit on most of the main points that I had. Basically, like, my whole thing was, I really don't see how this forms and maintains the best possible chemistry between your offensive line and your, your skill position players. Like, I don't know if it's Kaplovic or Tucker or whoever it is. I don't care. I don't like it, and I want it to stop. There is a set five offensive linemen who need to be your every down players. And we saw that it obviously didn't work on Saturday because the blocking was abysmal. Kenneth Walker had absolutely nowhere to run. And, you know, Peyton Thorne had to escape and run backwards a lot too. Thank God for Kenneth Walker being just an absolutely, you know, insane running back, just being on un unreal, still managing somehow to get to, like almost a hundred yards. I think he was just South of it. What do you have? Like close to 90 something around that area. Right. Yeah. I think like 86 or something. Yeah. What would, what would our running backs have had last year? Uh, 30, 30, like maybe 30, like that's 30. a game that we yeah. don't win. So, I mean, you guys hit on the, yeah, you guys hit on the main part parts of the, uh, of the negative that I had for that section. Um, and then my other negative is something I, I was just incensed about. And is it I think special team penalties? That actually wasn't it. SD, I think you're going to agree with this because I think that he's kind of like your main main nemesis this year. And that's the fact that Jay Johnson called a pretty poor game. Oh, absolutely. He, Jay Johnson, I <laughs> like. I think uh, he called. I, did you listen? Did you listen to last week's pod, Carter? Yes. Do you? Do you agree with me that it feels like he flips a coin yes. before every series where he's like, all right, I'm going to do something. I'm going to call a competent series. Yes. And, okay, I'm going to run Kenneth Walker up the middle three times and then punt. Yep. Exactly. That was the worst. That was the worst performance from, from Jay Johnson that I have ever seen. I think since he's been here, yeah. I cannot yeah. the the seven turnovers against Rutgers, I can almost forgive because it was their first game, COVID, whatever. Being removed from that game, we were maybe a little harsher on the staff than we probably should have been. Mm -hmm. I'll be the hand up. We overreacted. 
especially Zanjo, but all of us overreacted. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of us want him fired, but I... None of us wanted us fired. None of I them, was alarmed. I was very alarmed. None of us called him a slur, Braylon Edwards, you fucking drunk dick. Yeah. Uh, well, except him. for, I guess, except for my sister, ex's dad. He, she kind of, <laughs> he kind of, but he's an asshole. Fuck him. There, I don't have to deal with him anymore. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Uh, asshole bitch. Ass, go to hell, asshole bitch. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, no, Jay Johnson, there's no, Jay Johnson has all these weapons and it's like, it's almost 60-40. It's literally almost 60-40. He goes, whatever. Like, there's no creativity. There's no, there's no, like, right? He's running the ball every first down. Every first down, he's running Kenneth Walker off tackle. Every first it's, down. It's the no most first down I've seen since Le'Veon Bell was here. Exactly. It, it, Dave Warner at least tried shit. It was stupid shit, like a short side jet sweep, but at least he fucking tried it. Basically, so basically, I thought he didn't attack Indiana's weak points like at all. Secondary, uh, I, you know, he was hesitant to dial up any deep shots, and he then, as you Indiana's, said, he wasn't. He, he, he wasn't creative. You know what? I think I think these two problems are connected, Carter, because how can Peyton Thorne throw a deep ball? When half the time, the offensive line protecting him are a bunch of fucking traffic cones. Yeah. I mean, when you're running the same things that you usually do, Walker, you know, running up the middle, stretch run, Reed Naylor, shallow shallow cross, whatever it was, it wasn't working, and he didn't go into his bag until the game was very nearly in danger. It was the touchdown drive to Tyler Hunt that I thought he showed any semblance of creativity or movement of the ball. Like the trick play from Tyler Hunt to Peyton Thorne was a broken trick play that somehow miraculously worked because Peyton Thorne is an athlete. And okay, Jay Johnson called far too many runs on second and long. My whole thing is I think second down is actually a really important down because it can determine the third down yard you're going to face. And because of that, when he would not call the right play on second down, we were facing third and 11s, third and 13s, third and eights. And yes, this offense is explosive and it's good, but no matter how it is, that's going to be hard to hit on. And if you're playing Michigan, and we're playing Michigan next week, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Michigan's going to be a pretty damn good defense, and it's a rivalry game, so he's got to figure this out. I don't front care. Seven is scary. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of skill play. I don't care if you're Odell Beckham Jr. I don't care if you're. I don't care if you're Kate Hauser. I don't care if you're a grown man playing playing Pop Warner. If you tie a hand behind your back, more often than not, you will not be successful playing the sport of football. When you put yourselves in situations, like you said, Carter, where you're in third and long, you're tying a hand behind your back. No one is doing it for you you're doing it yourself. And we've seen glimpses of this all year where Michigan State's offense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't care. You know what? Lucas, you bring up a good point. I don't care if you're a grown man hitting a softball off a team in your backyard. 
All right. If you tie a hand behind your back, you will not be successful. You won't. You you need your. We've seen glimpses of this throughout the year, right? MSU shoots themselves in the foot, but they've been so good. They've been so much there. They've had so much more talent than the teams they've been facing that it ultimately didn't matter. Well, guess what? Beginning next week, it starts to fucking matter. That's another thing. Like, I didn't actually write this down. It's just, it's an observation. Um, Interesting. Um, Indiana, like, out physical us. The whole game, I think. I'm both, I think, I mean, at least, at least defensively, because offensively, I think, you know, they, they were pretty inept, but like on defense, they were just playing way more physical than we were. And it, it, it resulted in, in us not looking great. It, so, it I mean, showed that they spent the whole bye week, like just studying us. Like, yeah, obviously, obviously, duh, that's what you should do. But like, it was clear that they were dialed in. No, and they that's were, fucking, that's Tom Allen's M.O. Tom okay. Allen's M.O. is, I, I know what your weaknesses are. Yeah, no, I, no, wait, SD, it's what you said last year. Is you said Tom Allen is like the high school girl of the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, re- yeah. Tom Allen is the eighth grade girl of the Big yeah, Ten. He knows what your weaknesses are, and he will poke at you, poke at you, poke at you until you either cry or you kick him in the vagina. <laughs> Love it. So you had to have known, right? I mean, it's ugh, it was so frustrating. So frustrating. Last week was so frustrating. That's the most frustrated I've been I've been during a win since the 2015 Rutgers game. Just absolutely, yeah. Just absolutely flabbergasted. That or the Minnesota game in the 2019, the 2019 Tulsa game was pretty bad too. Or the 2017 Minnesota game where we were creaming them and then they put in their uh, backup quarterback and he nearly won the game. Like it was yeah. just like no preparation whatsoever for like a backup scenario. Um, it, go ahead. I just, it, it was brutal. Last week was brutal, but you know what? And, and this is, in the special team penalties, I'll touch on those real quick before I give my final positive. Because I don't. Do you guys have any other positive, any other negatives or positives to give out besides the special uh, team penalties? Those are my negatives. I have one more positive. I can do it after you go. So do I. I have one more positive. I don't well. think I do. So go ahead. I'll let you guys wrap it up. The the special teams penalties this year have been fucking ridiculous, inexcusable, delay of games, false starts. Shit that just should not happen on special teams, right? I'm okay with the strategic. I'm okay with the strategic <laughs> delay a game to kind of get yourself in a better field position after the punt, right? But <clears throat> unprofessional but, bullshit. <laughs> unprofessional bullshit. Exactly. Insubordinate. <laughs> unprofessional bullshit. This is why no one watches AOL Blast. This is why no bullshit. one watches Big Noon Kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, new meme. All right. <laughs> this is why no one watches Big Dude Kickoff. Unprofessional <laughs> bullshit. Uh, Sorry, but that's just too good. But no, like Ernie Els just 
Ernie Els, I'm not sure. Like, what is? Uh, it's almost here comes another meme. Ernie Els, what would you say you do here? Is his name Ross Els? Ernie Els is the golfer. Ernie Els is the golfer. <laughs> like, I didn't know if you were like trying to just like fuck with us or. <laughs> no, I, I I legitimately I legitimately thought his name was Ernie Els. Ross Els, what would you say? you do here because it sure isn't coach specialties it it reminds me of when mark d'antonio hired um mark snyder who was uh fired from texas a&m and everyone was like this is back when i was on the red cedar message board um and they were like shitting their pants over like oh my god we got a uh well eventual like a big 12 sec guy and he was horrible he was a special teams coach i believe when he first came aboard and i think that maybe lasted a year but anyway that that's that's what that that's what Al's reminds me of it's like yeah what what are we doing here like do we have a coach or is it like farmer fran he's just like spouting off gibberish and the guys don't know what to say and they just go do what they think as he said the the punt the punt team is so disorganized if it wasn't for ross Beringer. We would have we would have three losses right now. We would be we would be we would be four and three. We would be f- just floating five hundred if it wasn't for Ross Berenger. Because our punt our punt team is so fucking bad. It is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I'm just yeah. Berenger is a is one of the few bright spots. Or one of the few bright spots on special teams. Like we give it seems like when we give Coughlin Coughlin the most shit, or like we are just not optimistic in him. Like Indiana, I'm not gonna lie. If Coughlin listens to this, I didn't think you were gonna hit that 52 yard field goal. Did Fuck not no. think it. I was just sitting there like I think I had a I was a couple beers deep and I'm like, he's not fucking making this. Boom, right down the middle. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And then the second one, I'm like, he's not making this one. He can't make two in a row. He does. So thank you, Conklin. You proved me wrong. I'm an asshole. I'm a piece of shit. So thank you. You're on my good side again. But yeah, for if it weren't for Behringer, we probably would have lost the Nebraska game. Coughlin was wearing his Coughlin was wearing his goose suit on Saturday. He was goosed. He was goosed. <laughs> uh yeah, Behringer is incredible, but like yeah, we, we have to clean these penalties up because this would kill us against a team that has competent running backs. And I'm not so sure about a competent quarterback, but we will find out. Um, it, it's it's going to kill us against the Ohio States, the Penn States, and the Michigans. It's go- They are going to make us pay like good teams do. And we are lucky Indiana is not a good team because, let's be honest, the way that offense was playing in the first half, Indiana probably should have been up at least 21-3. to three. <laughs> or 21 to seven if you if you still count the pick six like and i kind of wonder you know for when i found out Tuttle was starting i'm like okay you know maybe we dodged a bullet because michael Penix jr i remember when he lit our ass up two years in a row and i'm kind of like people i remember indiana fans like i think Sheehan had some indiana fan on or reporter annie had a fan on but um they were like, you guys might be better off if Penix plays because he'll turn the ball over at least three, four times. 
And I kind of wonder that. I'm like, I wonder how this game would have gone if Penix played. And it makes you wonder, like, were they preparing for Penix too and just kind of like did the cross-eyed SpongeBob meme where like they just had to focus on two different quarterbacks? So, so this, so this will be my final positive. And then Carter, you can get into yours and then we can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the final positive, the, the final positive to take away from this game as, as frustrating and as irritating as it was, as maddening as it, as pissed off as it made me as pissed off as it made, I'm sure a lot of you, um, the listener, I, it, this game was a this game was a trap game with a capital T. Okay, we were going on the road against a team that was underperforming before by the mega tough schedule in two weeks before we play our biggest rival at home. That yeah. it cannot get trappier than that. And we walked out with the old brass platoon. That's a win. Just win, baby. It's a win. And we covered. Good good teams win. Great teams cover. Yep. So (laughs) by the skin of our teeth, we covered. (laughs) So look, we got it done. Right? It was it was fucking horrific, but we got it done. The worst performance I've seen out of an MSU team since probably 2016, if we're being honest. Because I don't think the 2018 and 2019 teams were were awful. I just don't think they had the pon- they didn't have the horses and they didn't have the support. I I I wish Brian Lewerke had a better offensive line. Yeah. That's I what mean, I would 20, say about 2018 and 19. 2018 and 19, they didn't have the horses. D'Antonio was obviously checked out. Uh the 19 had the talent to the, the 18 team had the talent to win 10 games. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. But the, the but that was the that was the worst I've seen a team play since twenty six an MSU team play since twenty sixteen, and they still fucking won. Yeah, you it, cannot it, understate how how important that is to to play the worst game to play the worst game you have all year and not only win but cover on on a conference road game. That yeah. is huge, and and we we bumped up a couple spots too because the the reporters saw that we won and covered. So we need so the so you know Tucker's not an idiot. He knows what needs to be fixed. He got yeah. he's got two weeks to fix it, and we have we have nine day we have nine days to to see if he did anything. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous about some aspects, but you know what? I'm glad that we got a shitty game out of the way. Yeah. And like, one thing it's it's good. Yeah, based on last year, one thing Tucker will not do, he will not let these he will not let these guys come out with low energy. Especially not against Michigan. No. So they're gonna come out ready to play. And whether ready to play is enough to get us over the hump. Whether are ready to play is enough to get us over the hump. If Jay Johnson keeps making these mistakes and the offensive line keeps getting rotated, we'll have to see. But to to play your F game, I mean F, 
almost everything across the board is gets an F, except for the defense. Defense, Peyton yeah, Thorne, defense gets a. That was the worst I've seen Peyton Thorne look. Yeah, <clears throat> in the in the eight in the however many starts like ten starts he's had. Uh, the receivers were dropping catchable balls all over the place. Uh, just horrific drops. Yeah, and like Jaden Reed with that one that they went for the bomb, um, he just – I think he looked up mm-hmm. and it looked like he didn't secure the catch because that was a touchdown. That that mm-hmm. was six points, and that was a crucial time in the game. I think that was before the half, and that would have given us a little more juice going into the second half. But um, the one more, last criticism I have is, okay, so Kimbro gets that sick blitz – Forces the fumble, we get the ball at the red zone, basically. And what does Jay Johnson do? Is high goal line fade. He go he goes for the kill immediately. And that was um that was actually audible. Oh, Rip, Thorn. I think it was audible? actually Thorn's. It was actually Thorn's uh, decision to do that. Yeah, Thorn but somebody should have told him not to do that. Thorn yeah. audibled into that, and th- you know, listen, I- he saw the box stacked and was like. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go up with I'm gonna go up for Naylor, but that it and somebody should and, do not do and that. listen, it's you sure not you sure, sure about that? It's not I understand the reasoning behind it. You've struggled mm-hmm. all game, you've been getting eaten alive, you see the boxes stacked, you think you have an opportunity, right? That you know what? That's a play call, that's a play call a killer makes. Right? Right. But, He's got to be, but Peyton, if Peyton Thorne's going to have that kind of autonomy in the offense, he's got to be smarter. He's got to be smarter. He's got to check his read off. He's got to throw it away. He's yeah. got to get sack. He, he can't, can't. He can't go for the first option. He can't throw that ball. He just. He just can't. And that was a time where you could. I love the balls. I yeah. love the balls that it took to make that play. I love the. I love that Peyton Thorne had the courage and, you know, I love the balls, right? Like Kevin Spacey said, I love the balls on that kid. Oh. (laughs) But. Fucking asshole. (laughs) But you just, you you got, if you're going to, if you're going to be, if you're going to be trusted to, to change the play at the line, you can't make that throw. You cannot make that throw. Yeah, and God damn it. Um, it was going so well until this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the, 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 the car wash gift of the guy dropping all the shit. That's just what happened. Um, yeah, I, I spilled the chili on that one. <laughs> Sparnog spilled chili? <laughs> um, I, 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 okay, but I, I still wish, so, okay, I'm stammering. So then we probably would have should have gotten or would have gotten At a Kenneth Walker three. run. At least three. At least three. And that would have made it 23 to 15, which I mean your percentages just go up a little bit more. It's not like it would be over over, but it would make it insurmountable. But I, I wish we just ran out the clock as much as we could and kicked a chip shot field goal. Like that was all I wanted. I'm like, okay, 23. Give me 23. That's all I wanted. But then that pick. And then, yeah, we sacked him. I think we sacked him. And then that third down or fourth down, I thought the guy fucking caught it for a sec. 
when he when he threw it up, I think near the fifty yard line or so. Which oh, shout man. out oh. shot shout out to Xavier Henderson on that. Yeah, because yeah. he he saved he could have easily picked that ball off and gave up forty yards in field position, and he didn't. That is a play that NFL safeties make, where they yep. recognize it's fourth down. Nothing good is going to come from me getting this interception, except for me, except for a personal stat line. It's best for the team if I knock this ball down. And he did the right thing, and he knocked the ball down. That's NFL awareness. Yeah. Any other college safety would have picked it, ran for 15 yards, gotten tackled, Fumbled. and put it and put his offense in a worse position. Yeah. And I do. Speaking of NFL, I think Crouch is going to play Sundays. Oh, dude! If he keeps developing the way he is, he yeah. gets better every week. He's he's becoming a beast, and I mean, one of them. I mean, they've all been really solid transfers, but he is really shining, shining. Just like you know, now as Kevin, Kenneth Walker is obviously the story, but Crouch and all, and Williams and Kimbrough and all these guys are unsung heroes, in my opinion. Like people need to pay more attention to these dudes. But um, I think that's all we got in the Indiana game, right? We've been more positive. Yeah, another one. Yeah, I mean, before it's kind of surprising, because, but um, I had to, I kind of had to pry for positives because I just didn't think there were a whole lot of overwhelmingly positive things that happened in this game. But yeah. mine was, I'm actually, and you guys can disagree, and you might, but I'm actually going to give it to Peyton Thorne. Um, he played probably his worst game of the season, but to me, what I noticed was that his attitude and his poise did not change whatsoever. Like, no, you're you're right. Absolutely, you're right. Yeah. His confidence didn't didn't shape at all. Like, he's every cliche of a quarterback. Like, he's the coach's son, the hard worker, every, every, every stereotype that you hear. But I really – I do think he is growing and improving every week. Like, I think he started to use his legs more. Um, he's holding on to the ball a lot less. Like, for a short, for a short amount of time, he's getting the ball out quicker. Um, yeah. He's making off-script plays more often. And some of the throws like that this kid can make are really impressive. Like, namely the throws, I, you know, more so I think like the throws that he made against Miami, like the one he threw on like the, I think it was a first down call where you could have just ran the ball, but he bombed it to Naylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a Rutgers throw, another one to Naylor. He still delivered some good passes. Uh, I, he delivered a couple good ones in the game uh, on against Indiana too. Um, I still want to see more growth from him because he's gotten better, but there's still, I think there's still work to be done. Um, but I like the strides he's made and I feel good about him as our quarterback for the next couple of years. Like, you know, I think I see a little bit of the pro potential. I think there's more room to grow still, but I really, I really like what I've seen from him so far. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you don't like what you've seen on a thorn, I think you're a dipshit fan and I'm not trying to be mean, but I am being mean. And he is, he is the most promising quarterback. Well, I'm not going to – Lewerke had – Lewerke was really damn good, and it's just a, a fucking shame he didn't get the tools needed because it's much like I think of if Drew Stanton got a year or two with Mark D'Antonio's team. I mean, he could have put um, – what? I was just say, like, imagine Lewerke with, with this team and the weapons Ooh. on this team. Holy shit. And I mean, like, I'm talking like 2017 to work before he, he, his, his arm was separated from his shoulder and D'Antonio was like, nope, you're good. Just go back in there. 
and then that yeah, just completely screwed. You don't need over. a sh- you don't need a shoulder to hand the ball off. You're fine. <laughs> you don't need a shoulder to hand it off to LJ Scott um, forty times a game. So I think we're all set on the Indiana game. We vented. It's been a good talk through it, but we got another thing to talk through. And um, Bruce Feldman on I think it was Monday. Yeah, yeah it was Monday. Um, posted betting odds, uh, Trump's coming back plus 50,000. Um, someone help me with the math. (laughs) He posted, I love when we do extremely inside jokes on a public podcast. (laughs) Well, he didn't post betting odds, I'm mistaking that, but he he put the he put the the energy out there into the Twitter sphere that LSU obviously over the weekend, um, great timing, they beat Florida 49 to 42. And they decided the next day that Ed Orgeron is resigning as head coach. It is his last couple of games. Um, you could kind of see this coming. I honestly thought it was going to be after last season, even though they went five and five. I thought they just are so pissed off that they didn't, you know, win eight eight games or something or contend for the playoff. But um, he is gone, but he's a, he's a dead staff, as they say. He is uh, they're they're dead men walking. He's going to finish out the season and um, move on to something else. But there's a lot more to the surface as to why he's resigning. There's some pretty, pretty creepy ass shit that went on. So I'll let you Google him. That should be sufficient. But um, Bruce Feldman is saying that LSU brass and top, top minds at LSU are interested in speaking with Mel Tucker. This doesn't come to me as a surprise because he's seven and zero. If he were four and three, I think we're pretty safe. But or if he were six and one, I think he get these conversations. But he's turning heads because it's it feels like we skipped a year or two of this rebuild with the way he hit the transfer portal. It's plug and play, and I think LSU. I don't think he's going to LSU. I'm just going to say that before we start. Uh, Carter and I were kind of talking about it over the last couple of days. We were a little bit of therapy, like just like talking it out, like trying to feel better. And I was talking to Spartan Dog too. And I mean, am I am I alarmed? Yeah, I'm alarmed because of his history. He he's mostly been an assistant coach and a coordinator, so they those guys do bounce around. But you know, if if he becomes a head coach at Colorado. The broke buffs can't afford him anymore. We double his salary. He comes here and then he leaves after two years because LSU would double his salary, probably get close to it at least. I don't know how good of a look that is if you're the head coach of a program. And I think Mel Tucker's a Midwest guy. He has SEC connections, but I think he's got big, he's got big 10 roots. Let's be honest. I mean, he's a big 10 guy playing the big 10 he is a big 10 guy all around. And I, I mean, if, if LSU did come and say, we'll give you 12 million a year, I'd say, okay, I would take it. You know, you'd be, you'd be really stupid to not take that. So let's drive you to the airport. As Rico said on Valeni, drive you to the airport, you know, help you pack your bags. But um, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't think he's going, I think he might be gone in a couple of years, but I think it's too early. He he's got he's got some stuff to finish here. Lucas, I uh, Lucas Carter, I have I have prepared a statement. Oh no! Here we go. Um, to read. Um. So, 
Um, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary listeners of this fine pork product podcast, we are under attack. The enemy at our gates is more powerful than the University of Michigan, the Big Ten Conference, and the COVID-19 vaccine combined. We are the subject of an insidious, maniacal media conspiracy aimed to undercut the Michigan State University football program in order to elevate the failing, downtrodden kiddie pole program in Ann Arbor. Think about this for a second, if you would. What benefits the long-established narratives of national sports media? Michigan State football being the biggest threat to Ohio State as the elite program in the Midwest? Or Michigan? reclaiming the throne they built themselves with underpaid, segregated labor after beating the Detroit YMCA 57-6. This realization hit me after watching a video Colin Cowherd posted on Twitter yesterday, presumably after creeping out his daughter's friends with comments such as, you've really grown up and grown out. He called LSU the better program, better facilities, better fans, better recruiting territory, better stadium. All while squinting at the sun while wearing a t-shirt poolside, the most divorced dad thing he could have done that didn't involve the statistics about male suicides being higher than female suicides. Well, I'm not going to pretend that what Cowherd said wasn't true, except for the fans part. Look up message board geniuses on Twitter for what I'm talking about. But it wasn't always that way. LSU was a swampy backwater institution before Nick Saban left Michigan State, too old to turn on a Catholic priest years ago, for LSU. Saban saw the potential in the LSU program and built an infrastructure so strong that Coach Ed, too horny to function, Ogeron, was able to suck and fuck his way to one of the most impressive seasons in the history of the sport. Same thing goes for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, who was able to turn an average ACC program into one of the sports power players while having church parishioners handshake 50s into the hands of his players while threatening to swallow a 12-gauge if NIL was ever passed. I believe that Mel Tucker can build a similar infrastructure at MSU. And based on how the national media writers have speculated on the recent LSU vacancy, they believe so too. And they're fucking scared to fucking death. The national media landscape has sunk so many resources in a myth building Michigan and Bo, I'll send you to Dr. Anderson Schembechler, that they're willing to even have Michigan move up in the AP poll after an idle week. Michigan State having a coach like Mel Tucker, who not only was able to turn around a roster that went 13-13 and over the last two seasons, but embraced newer innovations like the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness rights, is is in direct conflict with that end goal. Because Michigan State's success, out of pure necessity, will have to come at Michigan's expense however little that expense turns out to be on a year-to-year basis. That prospect is unacceptable to them. They did it with D'Antonio, linking him to multiple high-profile openings before he decided to, much like this podcast, enter his party and bullshit era. Instead of cutting their losses and welcoming the Spartans to the table of football's elite, 
they much rather obstruct and sabotage, all in the name of holding on to the CIA traffic pipe dream of Gus Johnson getting to, getting to tearfully declare that Michigan is back. And it was Jim Harbaugh, the khaki-clad son of Bo that he didn't like get molested savior, was the one to do it. Whether or not they succeed in their dirty, manipulative tricks is ultimately up to Mel Tucker and Mel Tucker alone. It won't be because of money. Because even as I find billionaires detestable, I do approve of the bag war that is raging between Matt Ishiba and Dan Gilbert. Mel will, Mel will have to decide whether he can truly build the infrastructure at MSU to get them to an LSU or a Clemson level. And I believe after initial doubts that he will keep chopping in East Lansing for many years to come and force those football-hating pussies who gargle maize and blue ejaculate to bite down on the cyanide pillow to backtrack. Mel believes that it takes what it takes, and he will do what it takes to elevate Michigan State football to the highest echelon of the sport. Thank you for listening. I now open the floor to responses. To quote uh, old school, um, we have no response. That was perfect. If, if you guys are too old for it, they're, they're in a debate and all that shit. Um, what, was that quoting Churchill at the beginning? Or were you just make, were you just going off the fly? Uh, no, I was going off the fly. It sounded like a Churchill. That sounded like one of the Churchill statements. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to say to that. Um, I mean, it just makes me more excited for October 30th, even though it's a noon game, which I think is horrific. It's, it's bullshit. It is a, it is, it is unprofessional bullshit. As we said earlier, um, it makes tailgating. I can't wait to have to wake up at 5.00 AM next Saturday to get to East Lansing around seven to get to our lot. And tailgate with their with it not being light out for another hour and a half that's going to be really fun i'm stoked for that i don't know about you guys i'm just really excited for that i'm thrilled uh, well carter and i will both be in east lansing on saturday morning so um you know it it is what it is it like like mel said lucas it takes what it takes yeah i'm ready you know i'll probably bring a hash brown buffet um mm. i think you can actually probably get that done um yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, that, that got me a little more excited for the game. I'm nervous about it, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it to be here. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you want the build up or not. I mean, I'm not going to watch Michigan this weekend. I don't know if you guys are. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be around, but I'm not going to watch them and like focus on them. And uh, will you guys? Or are you just going to do your whole do your own partying bullshit? I'll I'll, I'll, I'll probably check them out because I'll I'll have nothing else going on. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I'm not gonna go out of my way to to check them out. Um, you know, if they're on, they're on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I know we weren't gonna talk Lions this year, but I want to talk about how nervous I am for this Sunday. It's going to be so great when the Lions get their first one against Matthew Stafford. It's going to fucking rule. I'm going to throw myself off the balcony of Michigan Stadium 
like Scott Bell wanted Michigan fans to, if that happens. It's going to fucking rule, Lucas. You have no idea how much it's going to fucking rule. It's lining up because Dan Campbell called out Jared Goff and was like, he's got to play better. Or he, he Which has, he does. Like, oh, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to say this. I, I like Jared Goff. I'm sure he's a good, he's a good dude. He's a good person. But my God, what Sean McVay did with that man to get him to five minutes from a Super Bowl championship with that quarterback should be studied for years. What he did with that man. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Um, but yeah, line Rams five and one, uh, soon to be six and one. So, uh, soon to be five and two. <laughs> I thought you were going to go five and 12, five and 12 Rams, five and 12 soon. <laughs> uh, uh, and Carter, I picked the Falcons to win this weekend. So hopefully, um, hopefully they can do it for you. Things are bad in Miami right now. I mean, they went to London and Tua Tagovailoa looked just abysmal <laughs> against the Jaguars, dude. Like against Urban fucking Meyer. He made the Jaguars look like an NFL team. And that's oh Urban spent Urban spent in. Saturday Urban spent Saturday night sticking his tongue in the gap between some British woman's teeth. Front two teeth, and he went out there and still beat the Miami Dolphins. I gotta give him credit that that last play, like that last little slant on fort or on third down to like, and then immediately call timeout with a second left. That was some pretty good. That was pretty smart. I don't. I don't think most coaches would try that. I mean, it worked for him. Um, but I hate. I, I mean, I like London games, but most of them are boring as shit. But at least that one was good and a good segue into the afternoon. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, here's here's a hot take to end on. Michigan fans are manifesting Mel Tucker to LSU. Um, I'm well, no, play. it's not Michigan fans. It's it's a media conspiracy. Detroit media. I, it's a national media conspiracy. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not going to deny U of M's a national brand, and the national media is colluding to to undercut Michigan State in order to elevate Michigan because as long as Michigan State is a competent program, Michigan cannot get back to the levels it once enjoyed before mm-hmm. HD television. That's just what it is, right? We're in the same division, and the national there's Michigan has a national fan base. They do. They have a national fan base, and they have they have the history, right? And rather than learn stuff about Michigan State's program and welcome them to the table, they think we're easy targets to undercut and sabotage. Yeah, we, they literally think of us as a little brother. Yeah. So I don't give a fuck about the national media. You know what? If you see any of the big noon kickoff fuckers on campus, <laughs> it is your duty as a Spartan to fucking egg them, especially that motherfucker Clay Travis. Uh, is he at Fox anymore? He's doing big noon kickoff. Really? Oh. He's like their Pat McAfee. Oh, oh boy. They really, that's like Dollar Tree, Pat McAfee. Dollar if, Tree. It's like, uh, it's like buying it wholesale from the Chinese warehouse, Pat McAfee. <laughs> like a guy standing outside a QD. 
Um, uh, I'm throwing this into the atmosphere, into the ether, ether now. Um, the candles emoji Twitter uh, trend. Um, Jim Harbaugh to Miami. Uh, if they if they fire Brian Flores, if they fire Brian Flores, who's the owner of the Dolphins? I believe that is Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross, a very rich man who will who is desperate to try to make this team a winner. I think if Michigan has a good season, like say they say they say they do it, say they win eleven or twelve games, say they finally fucking do it, and I think Harbaugh would jump ship. I really do. I think he's. I think he wants to go back to the NFL. So to to counter the Mel Tucker to LSU news, I'm going to put out there. Jim Harbaugh to Miami Dolphins uh, soon emoji. Within that's my prediction. I, I know it's not going to happen, but if it does, I will come on here and replay the audio and say I was right. Sounds good, Lucas. Can we end this podcast? I have to poop. Yeah, we'll end it. Uh, okay. Carter, thanks for coming on with us. Next week Always. we have a really awesome guest. Um, I'm not going to say it. We're going to tease it. But he's been on before, but um. Uh, we'll let Spartan all go poop. Um, fellas, go green. Go white. Go white. Go lats. Go Steven. Go Steven DVF. Go Steven. Brother. We love you, man. We love you, man.